0: All right, based on your many kind notes, thank you, and the pretty big bump in downloads, it turns out you really liked our first ever unscripted open up your journal and just share some random thoughts over coffee early last month. So let's do it again. If you're new to the Catalyst 360 podcast, I'm your host, Dr. Brad Cooper of Catalyst Coaching 360, and I appreciate you investing part of your week with us. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of options, and I appreciate you pulling ours up and saying, Yeah, I'll I'll listen to this guy for a little bit. This is not our typical episode. You you can look back at our history. There's 280 plus episodes we've had so far. And the majority of those are interviews with researchers, athletes, coaches, writers, etc. But we tried this. You liked it. You seem to like it a lot. So we're going to throw in this hodgepodge every once in a while and and we'll see where it goes. Today, I'm going to be sharing a few thoughts. The way this comes about is I literally just open up my journal Look through what I've been thinking about reading etc over the last four or five weeks and then I've got a bunch of scribble in front of me kind of bullet points that I'm going to try to stay somewhat organized with you here but we'll see how it goes so the topics I've got jotted down here we're going to cover today are free will why we experience letdowns following big events what Suzanne and I've learned from the land and you'll see what that means in a minute how to give our creativity a running chance to really take hold, and whether that's as an entrepreneur or an artist or any other element, but how can we get that rolling? Why each of us live in a different world and some elements of what that might mean on a daily basis. And then lastly, some interesting insights from a couple of songs. You you all know, if you've listened for long, you know I love music. And a a couple of interesting insights from two songs that have the exact same title – completely opposite perspectives. So let's grab our coffee and let's see where things lead. Again, no script, just a few notes from recent journal entries and an open mic, which could get me in trouble, but let's see where it goes. Let's kick it off by exploring the idea of free will. Now, free will is getting a lot of attention these days. Sam Harris has spoken on it, written on it. A lot of folks piggybacking off of some of his stuff and, and, and taking a little different slant on it. Personally, I don't know. I, I, I don't think free will conversations are that interesting. I think freed will is far more interesting. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Freed will is a, a phrase that I wrote about a couple of years ago. And it's the idea of the opportunity to get off of autopilot to make some choices, to put some things into our lives, to put some things into the steps that we take next in whatever that next might be because of the things that come before that. Most of what we do is autopilot. We don't think about generally what we're going to do in the evening. You know, if you've got a routine, you kind of stay with it. We get up at a generally same time, generally have the same breakfast or coffee, generally drive the same way to work, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Most of I think the stats show more than ninety five percent of the choices the choices we make each day are they 're just autopilot, which can be very good if we put good things on autopilot that 's the whole concept that we heard b j Fogg talk about and Wendy Wood talk about in terms of creating good habits is you make those autopilot so they 're not they 're not decisions they 're just autopilot but the problem is same thing happens with bad habits or negative things or neutral things or survival things and and so in this This model that I've been working on the last month or so, and I won't get into all the details, maybe we can come back to it later, but the little section up there in the top left-hand corner, for those of you who do read our newsletter, looks at this clamp of time, money, and health, and that debt of one of those or more, more than one of those three, and the influence that has on our ability to make freed will choices. Think about it. When you're in significant financial debt, you're on survival mode. You don't choose to make a lot of decisions because you're just trying to get through the day. When, when you have a a health issue of some sort that pops up, that that's your focus. Everything else is just let's just get through the day. Time that's that's the big one for so many people. When when you just look at your calendar, you're like, oh, I got to get up super early and get going with this and this and this. Then we drift into more and more and more autopilot, and we don't take advantage of the opportunity for freed will. Now, obviously freed will requires the concept of saying, yes, I think we have free will. If you don't think we have free will, you probably don't listen to this podcast because why would you want to learn how to optimize your life if, if you think it's not a choice anyway, right? So if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, yeah, I, I, I pretty much believe in free will. And what I want us to move toward is this idea of freed will, What are the things we can do to enhance the opportunity to recognize those critical moments, which only happen a few times during the day and then take advantage of those. Now, again, I don't want to lean into this too much. This is a collection of a whole bunch of stuff, so I don't want to spend too much on this one, but let me just throw this idea out to you. We talk a lot about move, fuel, rest, and connect. We call them the four catalyst cornerstones, move, fuel, rest, and connect. If you feel like, Oh, I am just literally on autopilot. You're right, Brad. I'm just on survival mode. That's a good place to start. One of those four. And don't try to change everything. I I just, speaking of coffee, I just had coffee with a friend of mine and he had all these different things and he's like, I think I need to do this and this and this. And I was just like, well, what if we just focused on one and made a small change there and let that snowball build? And then we can worry about these other things. Let's use our freed will for one of these elements, move, fuel, rest, connect, to enhance one of those big three, time, money, and health, that'll increase that opportunity for freed will. So I I won't spend any more time on that. I just want to get that into your head of this idea of freed will and the critical moments that come up. And when that time, money, health, debt is too expansive, when there's too much of one of those or more than one of those in your life, then we default to autopilot. And if we really want to improve our lives, we've got to tune in to those critical moments and then move into that freed will. I want to encourage you. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, Brad, that's me. Like I'm just on survival mode. I'm just getting through. Then don't try to change 20 things or seven things or three things. Pick something small that you know you can get your arms around that will improve time, money, or health might be leaning into one of those move, fuel, rest, connect elements. But pick something that can improve that time, money, health in a small way, which will then open up the opportunity for that freed will and allow you to move forward more extensively with those critical moments. Hopefully that makes sense without seeing the diagram. Again, if you get the newsletter, you've seen it. But I just want to get you thinking about this idea of let me come back to one. Let me open up that freed will piece. Speaking of free will, it's interesting what land can teach you about life. Susanna and I moved up to northern Colorado. We we have a 35-acre spot up here, and we moved two years ago this week. It was a great move. We love it here, but we're also realizing, and this is, n- this is not an exaggeration at all, that we could spend 12 hours a day, every single day of our lives, working on the trees we've planted. The boulders in the yard that I'm trying to move so I can mow a little bit easier. The weeds that the wonderful rain is bringing up in every blank spot that we have. Fixing some elements of the driveway. There's so much. Sky and I, Sky's our Australian shepherd. She and I run a few times a week out on this road out in front of our house. And I'll I'll stop. At our driveway, our driveway is about a quarter mile and I'll, I'll just walk up the driveway as a warm down at the end. And it always makes me laugh slash cry. Maybe as I'm walking up that the the day before I may have spent two hours clearing weeds or doing, doing some of the driveway and I'm, I'm walking up that and I just look and I'm like, yep, there's 30 more of those same weeds that I thought I cleared. Just, you know, it's just endless. It just, it's never done. But you know what? It's also free, because I know it will never be done. It's impossible to have everything done on that 35 acres that could be done. And you know what? That's really cool because what it does is it forces us to say what matters to us. What's important to us? That's life, folks. That's what I'm learning here. That's what Suzanne and I are learning here is this is such a wonderful reflection of life. We can't do it all. Stop pretending that we can. We've got to pick and choose. There's always ways we can improve our lives, but they come at a sacrifice. And so instead of feeling the pressure of that, of, oh, I'll never get everything done. I'll never be that whatever. Pick and choose. Pick and choose. And then laugh. When you see that stuff and you're like, you know what? I'm not running as far as my training buddy. I didn't lift as consistently as that other person. I'm not eating as perfect as this person. My house isn't as clean as that other person. Just laugh. Just realize, that's okay. It's not all going to get done. We pick and choose our priorities. And that is so freeing. So think about that. Think about your response with those things. And again. I do. I am on the verge of tears sometimes when I see more of those weeds walking up that driveway. But then I just start laughing. I'm just like, Sky, Sky's our dog. Sky, seriously, there's another one. We missed it yesterday. If you know Australian Shepherds, you know that they look like they're laughing all the time. So I think she laughs with me. All right. Long time listeners know I love to have two to three books going all the time. Usually it's something recent, something that maybe was released in the last six, eight months. And then it's something that's been written before I was born. And then some wild card. One of those currently is Henry Bergson's book that was written way back in 1883. And I loved his thoughts. I was just so intrigued by his thoughts on why we experience letdowns after big events. You know how it goes. you you got this thing you're thinking about. Maybe it's a, a celebration or race or a graduation or a wedding or whatever. And it's this big, huge thing, and you're anticipating it, and you're waiting for it, and it comes, even if it goes incredibly well. Oftentimes, in fact, almost always, there's a letdown afterwards, and that's always been interesting to me. What he said is that when it's something in the future, there are literally thousands of possibilities, thousands of things that could happen with that event, graduation, promotion, fill in the blank when it actually happens one of those occurs so you start with thousands of possibilities out there in front of you that your brain is constantly moving around and shifting and pondering and looking forward to and getting excited about and all that and then it happens and one of those thousand take place and so now you have to let go of the other 999 isn't that interesting i was fascinated by that yeah that is so true that is it that is it It's just really interesting to realize that our brains are able to hold all those things in place. And then when one of those happens, we have to let all the other ones go because they'll never happen. And that's part of that letdown. Now on the opposite side, worrying about the future, kind of the same thing happens, doesn't it? When I'm worried about X happening, this thing's coming up. Oh, I'm concerned what's going to happen. I can create all these terrible things that are possibilities in in what's around the corner and then one of them happens and all the others drop off. I don't know what you want to do with that, but I thought it was fascinating. All right, speaking of books, I just started Rick Rubin's new one on creativity and there's zero doubt I'm going to be pulling some additional thoughts out of this book as we chat in the future. Out of the gate, first couple chapters there were two intriguing ones to ponder that I, I wanted to share today. He shares a key reminder about what leads to creative thinking. Now, when you think of creative thinking, don't, don't just think of the songwriter or the artist. That's you as a coach. That's you as an entrepreneur. That's you as a teacher. That's you as a parent or a friend. It, it's really all of us. We all have these creative opportunities. And, and what he says is the answer is not to look for it. And it is the creative moment, the creative idea. So the answer is not to look for it. Instead, we create an open space that allows for it. A space so free, so free of the normal overpacked condition of our minds that it functions as a vacuum. Think of a vacuum or a black hole. It sucks stuff in. It pulls in that creative stuff that's out there waiting for you to discover. How cool is that? If you're struggling with an idea for your business or a class or a paper that you're writing or a a talk that you're giving or a solution to a family struggle or whatever it might be, create a vacuum. Give yourself some space. That's where that, that afternoon walk, that's where that hike, that's where that retreat, that's where that getaway, that's where that just laying in bed and staring at the ceiling without your phone that's where that silence, that's where that meditation, that's where that prayer, that's where that that quiet moment in the morning looking at the sun rising allows that vacuum to come to, to be. And when there's a vacuum, it pulls in the possibilities. And that's what he's talking about. I just love, love, love that. He then goes on to discuss... This was really interesting, and I think it's a good reminder, especially with all that we're going through in the world right now. But he goes on to discuss why the worlds we live in are the worlds we create. You and I don't see the world the same. Even if we have so many things similar in our backgrounds and histories and the way we were raised and where we were and all that kind of stuff, even then, we are creating our worlds by the combination of all those things creating that perception. He says, in each moment— We are immersed in a field of undifferentiated matter from which our senses gather bits of information and produce a response. Let me say that again. Our senses gather bits of information and produce a response. The outside world we perceive doesn't exist as such. Attuned choice by attuned choice, our entire life is a form of self-expression. When you first read that, or at least when I first read it, it's kind of a little hocus pocusy, right? Like, oh, we create our life through these perceptions and we choose what our reality is and all that kind of stuff. But listen to it again and and pull the the practical real stuff out of this. In each moment we are immersed in a field of undifferentiated matter from which our senses gather bits of information and produce a response. So that's the first half. Let me let me talk that through a little bit. As you're listening to this, you're doing something else. You're walking, you're driving, you're, you're, you're sitting quietly, watching the sunrise, whatever. And your senses are gathering a bunch of stuff. Part of it's my voice, but part of it's your dog walking by. Part of it's the, the sun coming up. Part of it's that car driving by. And it's producing a response based on the combination of all those things and the way that you perceive those. So we could be sitting right next to each other, listening to the same thing in the same setting and produce a different response from those outside senses. The outside, So then he goes on, the outside world we perceive doesn't exist as such. There's no such thing as an outside world. I mean, there is. Don't, again, we're not going hocus pocus here. But the outside world that you perceive sitting right next to me, listening to the same exact thing and the outside world that I perceive are two completely different things. He goes on to say, attuned choice by attuned choice. Our entire life is a form of self-expression. Isn't that interesting? Again, I'm not taking this extreme. I'm saying let's tune in to the fact that the same stimulus can be interpreted completely differently based on all kinds of things. Perspective, history, even how well did I sleep last night changes the way I perceive things. Think of some external input that, that you saw today or you're experiencing right now. Maybe it's rain, maybe it's the wind, maybe it's a canceled meeting, maybe it's a sore muscle, anything. It's not the input, it's, it's how we interpret that input that defines the worlds we live in. If you're an athlete listening to this and your muscles are a little sore, you're probably thinking, that's awesome. I, I, I did that new workout yesterday and obviously I hit some, some key areas that I haven't been working. That's gonna, that's gonna be helpful down the road. Someone who's not used to exercising, they feel a sore muscle and they're like, oh man, I probably overdid it. I should back off. You know, I, I, I did too much. You know, that, that book was wrong or, or whatever. It's rainy outside. Well, if I was wanting to go on a bike ride and that rain is accompanied by lightning, that changes things. Then if Suzanne and I are going to have a nice quiet evening at home and it's suddenly a, a nice cozy night with the lightning flashing and cuddle up with the dog Even the same person can see it differently based on something like plans going forward. It's not the input, folks. And that's the key I want to emphasize here. It's not the input. It's how we interpret the input that defines our worlds. And if we take this all the way back to the beginning of what we've been talking about today, we can notice those critical moments, realize that we're taking that sensory input and filtering it to result in thought A— and shift it to be thought B. And that's where the opportunity is. All right, last thing, and this really plays off well. I didn't plan this, but as I was jotting the notes down, I thought, oh, that's right. That's exactly what we're talking about today. Two songs, exact same same title, but the message, the interpretation, opposites. First one, Bruce Springsteen. Title, Glory Days. This was, frankly, kind of a core song growing up. I've got Bruce's autographed album. I won some little radio contest. I I think I called in at the right time or something. And I I got his autographed album, Born in the USA, and his tour jacket. So pretty cool. Love Bruce Springsteen. Incredible artist. Incredible performer. And his song, Glory Days, if you haven't heard it, almost certainly heard it. But if you haven't, let me read you a few of the words. And it's worth going back and listening to because he hits it like nobody else can He says, and I hope when I get old, I don't sit around thinking about it, but I probably will. Just sitting back, trying to recapture a little of the glory. Well, time slips away and leaves you with nothing, mister, but boring stories of glory days. Yeah, they'll pass you by. He goes through a few different phases in the song, phases of life in the song. But he's probably in his early to late 30s, maybe maybe 40s. And basically, he's sitting chatting with old friends. And all they're talking about is glory days, whether it's athletics or relationships or settings. And they're like, yeah, got these boring stories. And that's all we talk about. And it wasn't that great back when. Nothing about what's happening today. And, and then there's Gabby Barrett. Same title, glory days. The setting of the song is probably the same age group, somewhere in the 30s, maybe early 40s. Here are her words. Same same song title, Glory Days. This is as good as it gets. I don't know what I would change. I love this life that we live. I love that smile on your face. No, we ain't got to look back at all those pictures and frames and wish it had all stayed the same. Because right here, right now, I say, These are the glory days. Oh, if you haven't heard her song, pull it up. It is so good. And I love the comparison of it with the title being the same of one person looking back and saying, ah, life was good. It's a bummer. It's not going to be anymore. And the other person saying, we don't have to look back at the frames because right here, right now, these are the glory days. Not based on money, not based on fame, based on what she's interpreting, the way she's taking in those senses and interpreting it as a great, great life. All right, cup is empty. So I guess that's a wrap until next time. Thank you for being a part of the Cattle's community. If you'd like information about pursuing your MBHWC approved health and wellness coach certification, or if you're an employer, EAP, or wellness provider looking to integrate best in class coaching into your program or platform, please visit us. Website is catalystcoaching360.com, or you can email us anytime, results at catalystcoaching360.com. Make it a great rest of your week, and I'll speak with you soon on the next episode of the Catalyst 360 podcast, or maybe over on the YouTube coaching channel.